Is that the best you can do with your time? You better keep up with what's going on. I missed two Sundays with Superman once, and I've never felt right since. Make up your mind. Make up my mind. You know, damn the torpedoes! Full steam ahead! Ah, so how do you do? My name's Smokey. I, I hear you have a room to rent. Is that is that true? Is that is that the case? <laughs> Not to you. No, I didn't think so. You don't you don't no want any of us in this house. No, no, God no. You don't want any of us undesirables around this place. No, no. This is the South. <laughs> I, I'm only allowed, I'm, apparently I'm only allowed there for a weekend or two. In uh, right. you know every couple of times a year, and then I get sent back home again. That's why we all voted Tory. <laughs> My word! I would if, just like to quickly say that I did not vote Tory. No. If, if, yeah, look. If ever there's a word that should be bleeped out on this show, it should be that one. My yes, word! Absolutely. Oh boy! <laughs> and that one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, happy New Year to you. <coughs> Sorry, I made myself laugh. That's okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, happy New Year to you, my friend. We're back. We're back. It's been so long. Yeah. Happy New All the Best Lines. Happy New Best Lines. Yes. Hang on. That doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean. Yes. Oh, from our triumphant return from the uh, Brighton Strangler episode. Mm-hmm. Which I would say, give it, I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. <laughs> I reckon it's, it's going to be our most downloaded episode. Really? Four downloads? <laughs> wow. Can't wait for that moment. Yeah, I know the the the, the sky's the limit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we can, Debury. <laughs> oh, Barack would be so proud of you. I have a Barack Obama. Yes, we can, Debury. I've used it on Atticus Clarence many times. Yes, we can, Debury. You do, you do. But also, isn't he a follower of Secret History of Hollywood? If I remember, he is. Right? Yeah, apparently yeah. so. Yeah, it's, not, it's not too shabby, is it? No, it's okay. He's one of those people I see following me and go, don't get too excited. Because if you say, hi, how am, how are you? He will go, Ugh, why am I following this person? <laughs> I'm following. Well, I, I don't suggest DMing him. You know, no. don't do that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to all the best lines. It really has been too long and we have missed you all. Not all of you. Not you. Ugh. But um, the rest of you, yeah, we have. Thanks. Um, no, not you, them. I'm talking. Oh, f- it. No. Oh, f- it. Oh, f- it. <laughs> <laughs> Been a while. I've got to get it? back into. I've got to get back into the swing of not swearing. Smokey's got to yeah. go back into clean mode, which uh, is something mm. he nor his house knows anything about. <laughs> <laughs> Any joking? I thought. I thought I swept up that cobweb. Oh, no, I didn't. Stary <laughs> me. But but how how are you, my friend? How how has twenty twenty two treated you so far? It's been a it's been a very strange time uh, over the past few weeks. But um, yeah, I think we were talking before we started, and uh, things seem to be on on the up, on the positive side now. It's, it's been a, yeah, it's been a tough January, but I think the the green shoots of recovery are. <laughs> beginning to show and i'm looking forward to spring Ooh. and as that was you know, poetic thank you very much um you know when the sun comes out <laughs> you, you start to feel a little bit better about yourself you know when he's mm-hmm. down for months and months and mm-hmm. months and you just feel a bit bad 
Um, now that the the, the sun, <laughs> stop it! I'm trying to talk about. I, 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 I was empathising. Yeah, Thank no, you. you carry on. With your chuckle. Yeah, when the sun comes out, don't you feel better about yourself? And I think the sun is starting to come out. So you know, yeah, all, all the best sunshine. All the best sunshine. That's about, lovely. Yes. How about you? Uh, yeah, all good, my friend. All good. Yeah, as as you say, yeah, January was a bit of a. It and it's but everything seems to be picking up now and everything's looking up and you know and we've had a couple of people clamoring for a new episode so I thought it, <laughs> it was about time that we satiated their desires. Um, what, one of also, them was you. Uh, one of them was me. Yes, that's true. I was texting you and bugging you, and uh, which which I love to do anyway. Uh, you know, especially you know, like texting you at like three o'clock in the morning and going, "Here, look, look where we are in uh, the charts in Senegal." <laughs> it's look, my favorite here, thing. Here are do. my genitals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here are my <laughs> genitals. Here's your here's your belated Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop putting a bow on it. I didn't need a bow on it. It doesn't make it any oh. more attractive. Oh, it was pretty. Oh, it's like a oh. Christmas turkey neck. Smokey just put <laughs> beer through his nose. <laughs> to me by surprise. <laughs> oh God, I don't know if I'm going to make it through at the end of this episode, but there you go. Um, no, it's been, it's been wonderful, and um, it's not to bang on about it, but our other endeavour, the the House of Hammer, is doing spectacularly well. So, I'm here, yeah. right? It's great, it's, great. It's, it's it's wonderful, and and I know we have uh, a lot of our listeners are listeners to that as well. So we must. Thank them for for doing both, you uh, <laughs> you poor deluded souls who taught yourselves <laughs> several times with our voices. Yeah, yes, don't worry, we won't be haranguing you every day. Well, some podcasts. Well, we could do, we could do. You know, might be a bit of fun. Haranguing people sounds fun. Only a northerner would say that. <laughs> I'm not f-ing northerner, you cheeky. <laughs> Excuse me. Course, what, what, what's your postcode? It's. In the north <laughs> of the fr- world, I am from the south. How dare you? <laughs> we banished you, though, didn't we? <laughs> you really did. <laughs> we gave yeah. you three penneth, some jerky, and a bag, and said, "Go, be gone." You you banished me thirty four years ago, and I've never forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> Dear me, terrible, isn't it? But there we go. It's all good fun. How, in how's the it end. going anyway? Defending the wall from the White Walkers. Hey, my word! <laughs> it's never ending, mate. Never ending. Who knew that all those buggers wanted to stay in a travel lodge? <laughs> right, no, listen, hold the wall. That's all we're saying. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I have my dragon. I actually have a dragon as well. Oh, so do. I yeah. do. So yeah, he, 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 but although he, he he's just he's just a terminally miserable bugger who 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 just likes to sleep, so he's not going to be much help to me. So there you go. <laughs> I actually have a dragon, by the way. How cool is that? You're like John Sleet. <laughs> <laughs> Your timing tonight is on fleek. It's always. <laughs> All I, is I wait till you take a drink and then I just say it. <laughs> And every time, you look like you're going to nut your own glass. <laughs> as long as I don't nut the microphone, then that's going to be fine. <laughs> oh, dearie me. There we go. Anyway, it's lovely to be back here on All the Best Lines. Uh, it is, um, yeah, we get, to, we get to talk about some wonderful films again. We've got some lovely things coming up this year. We were just talking about that before we started recording. Mm. Um yeah, we've we've got more guests. We've got more of me putting Adam on the spot to come up mm-hmm. with films. 
And 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 I hope we haven't this time, but I hope we have more cringe-inducing emails for uh, uh, me to read to Adam as well. We haven't today. No, they're banned. But also, may I just quickly <laughs> say, uh, as well, with with the House of Hammer, we're hoping to do some actual events this year, aren't we? We're hoping are. to do some screenings and some meetups and some. Um, a, a very good suggestion I saw on Twitter today was we should do um, a live recording of an episode in a pub, which was, I think, suggested by the lovely Sally Ann Bedford on Twitter, which was a great idea because I mean, Jack Dewar has jumped on that. Yes. It was like, yeah. what a great idea because most of Hammer action takes place in some kind of tavern or inn. So I think a great bingo. idea would be to, yes, exactly, <laughs> Hammer Bingo, would be to take over a pub for a night and uh, watch a film together. And then I review think, it. Yeah. Yeah. Idea. So that's coming soon. Definitely. But I mean, there's no limit to that. I mean, we could we could we could throw on a film from this, and we could do an all the best lines from the pub as well. Easy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We could we could do both at the same, at the yeah. same night. Yeah. yeah. Then, we, then we might have some people there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After the first one, <laughs> when yeah. it's not a disaster. Okay, yeah. everyone. Thanks for coming to the house. If you want to stick around for the all the best, hello, hello, come back. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, Only joking, we're incredibly popular. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing very well. How dare you? No, I know. Yeah. I know, yeah. 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 Actually, yeah, uh, during the meanwhile, while we've been away, our uh, our episode of Nightmare Alley shot straight to the top of our downloads. It's just really? been massively successful. Okay, yes. may I ask, uh, mm-hmm. what's the least popular episode we've done so far? I I I don't want I don't want to say it because it's 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 one with a guest, so oh. I, I I feel bad if so I said it. Either his girl Friday, Ninochka, or Portrait of Jenny. But uh, but now okay. let's not do this. Okay. Cool. <laughs> we'll leave that up to mystery then. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad now, but okay, fair enough. <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, yeah, let's let's go on to the. Two tiny little bits of uh, of housekeeping we have to do before we get onto the film. Yeah, um, we got we got another five star rating and review on iTunes. Really? Yes, we did. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you sound so surprised. Of course, I'm surprised. Why? Because <laughs> it's me and you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Five. Podcasters. Podcasters. Did they leave an email address? I might. Go, I might send them a message saying. Excuse me, you might want to reassess that. <laughs> um, you you know who this person is as well. Yeah, okay, it's who? our mutual it's our mutual friend Philip Gwynne Jones. Oh, what a legend that man is! <laughs> See, mm. See, and you were about to mock him. Don't you feel well, bad now? I'm not mocking him because when someone is obviously impaired in that way, <laughs> they are giving five stars to this show. You can't, you don't mock them. You want to help them as well. <laughs> so I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach out to him, is what I'm going to do. Reach out. Come on, reach out for me. Hi. Hi, it's very kind of you. Don't get me wrong, it's not that we don't appreciate it, but I just want to know if you need any support at the moment. (laughs) You're all heart, Adam. I've said that before. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Do you want me to read the review? I don't know. Is it appropriate? Well, all we can say is thank you, Philip. Thanks, Philip. And don't worry, we'll we'll be calling the Samaritans on your behalf. <laughs> My word, Adam Roach, what are you like? 
Dear me. No, honestly, but but in all seriousness, thank you very much, Philip. It's very kind of you. Go on, Smokey, read the thing. Are you? Oh, I'll close it down. <laughs> I really <laughs> thought you were serious there. Hang on. Okay. Uh, Adam Roach, that's you. And Smokey, <laughs> just Smokey. <laughs> Fucking hell. And I love how that's spreading everywhere. Uh, they, examine, <laughs> they examine classics and the occasional not-so-classics. <laughs> from the uh, from the golden years of cinema, it's a delight. There you go, short and sweet, Thanks, but Philip. very very nice. Thank you very much, Philip. And I listened to Philip on um, John Bleasdale's uh, podcast today, and he's absolutely wonderful. If you haven't listened to it, people go out there and check it out. He's yeah. fantastic. I downloaded that today to listen to. I'm gonna get on that like a carb on that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I. I... <laughs> Yeah, check it out. It is. It's, it's fantastic. Great interview. Okay. Uh, we have one email today to read out. Uh, this is from Simon. Ah, I know who you mean. Uh, do you? <laughs> because I don't. <laughs> I don't know who Simon is, but... I know Simon. Okay, fair enough. Well, thank you very much, Simon. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, Simon says... <laughs> Simon says... Oh, no, I don't know that Simon. <laughs> Simon says... Um, <laughs> He says, dear, all the best lines. Um, uh, that's us. He says, I just wanted to drop you a quick line. See what I did there? Uh, sort of. Hey. But thank you. Yeah. And he says, and uh, drop you a quick line and thank you for your wonderful show. Uh, yeah. Uh, who knew you could have an in-depth discussion on Golden Age cinema and have a gush of the week in the same space? <laughs> well, yeah. That's, they, kind of, that's kind of a backhanded compliment. Uh, but we'll take you, it. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's backhanded. I think that's very <laughs> forehanded. <laughs> I, I, I think Simon, Simon's got his head screwed on right. Nice one, Simon. Fair Well, <laughs> sh- you're about to agree with him even more after this sentence. And he says, Adam, your knowledge yeah. is massively impressive. Thanks. <laughs> and your patience with Smokey is bordering on superhuman. Thank you. I'm that- glad someone's brought this up at last. Thank, Thank you, you, Simon. Simon, let me know what your Venmo is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank You're you. all about helping people today, Listen, aren't you? <laughs> there's a petition on gov.uk. Mm-hmm. A knighthood for Adam, please, for putting up with Smokey's. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> what a word. That, that uh, came out rather vitriolic. <laughs> it was only because I was rocking in my chair at the time from mm? the, the laughter. But no, thank, thanks, Simon. Yeah, I, I'm a saint. He is. He is. <laughs> I'm only joking. Saint Smokey's, Adam. Smokey's a pleasure to deal with. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, sm- <laughs> Smokey, that's me. Uh, he says, your open-mindedness, open-mindedness, thank you, and uh, willing to learn about, quote-unquote, new films is, uh, is very admirable. Thank you, Simon. That's very kind. He says, if you'll indulge me, I have two questions for you both. One is boring and one is fun. Okay. Uh, he says, first, the boring one. I'm considering starting a new film-based podcast. Uh, do you think it's worth it when it's such a crowded field? And secondly, uh, which... Oh, we never get asked tech questions. Uh, which microphones do you use and do you, would you recommend them? So we'll start off the first one. Uh, is it worth, Simon, starting a film-based podcast? Well, you go first. Um, I, absolutely, yeah. Of course it is. I, I don't think there's there's anything wrong with, with, with people doing what they want to do. Uh but bearing in bearing in mind, right, um, and you see this a lot a lot nowadays, is that 
uh, celebrities, you know, they, they think it's such a laugh and they, they get together and they talk and then they don't realize the, the, the other side of it, the work. Um, whereas normal people like us, um, we, we have to work and we have to edit and put stuff together and then release it. And also how many times, I mean, we've, we've had friends who've done this, who've started a podcast, realize how much work has been behind it and then stopped. Um, so just realize that it's not just recording and releasing. It's not, there is work. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with starting a new film podcast. Just make it your own, you know? I mean, Adam, you know, look at Adam. I mean, out of boy Clarence, no one was doing anything like that when he started. When Ben and I started Rated H, you know, five years ago, you know, there were plenty of horror podcasts out there, but no one doing what me and him were doing. And now there's tons of them. I'm not saying we were trailblazers or anything, but it was just something a bit different, you know? And um, and then the same with all the best lines, you know? No one was doing this. And same with House of Hammer, you know? It, I'm not saying find a niche. I'm just saying... Yeah, why the hell not? Go for it. Enjoy it. And also, you know, Simon, if you do release this, tell us and we'll pimp it on here as well. What about you, Adam? Well, so I'm slightly contrarian to you in that I do think you should niche down as hard as you can. So I would say if you're into a if you if you're into action movies and you want to do an action movie podcast, then don't you know, you're going to get lost in the crowd if you just do action movies because yeah. I think it's it's very hard to stand out. But if there's a certain particular type of action movies you like to do, yeah, then um, you would be surprised at the search terms that will bring people to you. I very mean, much so. Um, you know, I, I, Boy Clarence was based on old time radio and just the worst kind of B movies from the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. but it found an audience. Yeah. What you want to do is you... Sorry, it's a long way about saying this, but <clears throat> what you, you want to do, go. create the show that mm-hmm. you would be happy to put into a box and lock away. Nice. And then in 50 years' time, you want to be able to pull that show out of the box and listen back to it and go, this is exactly the show I want to listen to at the moment. Yeah. Don't pander to any kind of modern trend don't go mm-hmm. for true crime just because it's popular don't go for this it's popular or this because it's popular yep. say what is the show i would absolutely on my deathbed want to be listening to for the last 12 hours of my life that's how i got to the secret history of hollywood format nice that's how i got to my sense of humor you know you know i like the secret history of hollywood's kind of emotional tug it's more about the people than it is about the films like people come to it because they want hollywood history but they come actually and they learn about the people instead of the yeah the the film the film productions which i kind of find a little bit you know pedestrian okay Um, yeah what you want to do is you want to hinge your hinge your show on the things you really really find fascinating not Mm. just about the genre but about you know the people in the genre and the 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 minutiae because i think the 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 more you niche down um, you'll be you'd be very surprised about you know the search terms that bring people to my shows. You know, it's not just classic movies because no. that could be anything. It could be eighties yeah. movies, could be seventies movies, and I'm not in that. Mm-hmm. People will say I want Fred and Ginger movies that are less about music. You know, see, they come to Carefree from 1938, which is the the rom com they made, which had hardly any songs in it. It's Ooh, that kind that of thing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I would say niche down, niche down as hard as you can. Um, yeah, and if you need any advice on recording, yeah. then please get in touch because 
podcasters love to talk about how they make podcasts. We really do. <laughs> we really do. Yeah. In fact, I'll, I'll throw an extra in there and say, if, if you do make your first episode and you want to objective proof listeners, send it over, send it to all the best lines at gmail.com. We'll give it a listen. We'll be very honest. I'm more than happy to listen. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. 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 You know, I mean, again, not blowing trumpets, but we've been doing this a long time. So if mm. you want our advice, and you are asking for advice. I'll, I'll certainly proffer it <laughs> for free. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll call you. I'll call you a boring, um, <laughs> horrible person. I know. I, I, <laughs> what, um, what, what was the other question? Bit. Uh, the other question is: uh, Which microphones do you use, and would you recommend them? Uh, uh, you take this one for this show, and for more conversational shows, I use the Shure SM7B, which is a very good, a very good microphone for like broadcasty kind of chat stuff um it's it's good and it's warm and has a nice texture to it it but does i would say that it needs um a lot of power mm -hmm. so you might need a fet head or something to provide the extra power to the mic otherwise it will come up really quiet you need a very good interface if you're going into a computer so i use a arrow thunderbolt which is quite expensive but it gives they you a lot of power though. and very good preamps yeah and you want some really good cables and then for Secret History of Hollywood, I use the Heil PR40 microphone, which is a bit crisper, and it's not nice. so not so sort of talk show. It's it's more sort of audio bookish. Yeah, um, with the same setup, um, but without the fat head, because otherwise it would just scream because there's too much power going to it. It's a it's a bit of a tangled knot. So yeah, I would say um, if you're doing a more conversational show, then I use the Shure SM7B. Um, if I'm doing a more narrative style show like the Secret History of Hollywood, then I use my Heil PR14. Nice, that's very nice. Well, I mean, I, I I'm only going because he didn't give us any details on um, on what kind of show you're doing, uh, Simon. But uh, I, if you are just starting out, if you are a beginner, you want a, a beginner's setup, which is what I've got. Um, I'm actually in the midst of upgrading uh, th this year, so uh, I'm upgrading everything. Uh, including my microphone, um, and I know which one I'm getting, but um, but the one I'm using at the moment is one I bought uh, three years ago, three, four years ago, um, and I had to look it up because I couldn't even bloody remember it. Um, it is the, <laughs> bloody hell, the BTSKY BM800 condenser mic, uh, um, the one I used. And the reason I bought that at the time was because the Mac I was using uh, had a, incredibly old and it had a terrible uh the fan was just crazy and so it was it was directional basically it took the sound away from the fan i don't use that mac anymore so i don't really need that type of mic anymore and mm. so that's why i'm changing um uh, very soon uh but it's still doing a job this is what it's what i'm recording on now and it sounds absolutely fine but obviously you can hear the difference between mine and adam's audio when we record on would this say, um, House of Hammer yeah. and whatnot, yeah. So, go on. Would say, um, you're using a condenser mic. Condenser yeah. mics are, are built to pick up an area, whereas yeah. dynamic exactly. mics, which is what I use, um, mm -hmm. the field of pickup is basically the size. If you imagine a mini football and stick it on the end of the mic, 
yeah. then it will only pick up what's in that mini football shape. So if exactly. you want to go for something a bit more conversational and not mm-hmm. so much, you know, a condenser mic, like a, like a Blue Yeti, which is what most podcasters start mm-hmm. off with, they, they go, do. oh, it's a great sound quality. But the thing is, it'll pick up a pin drop from like, you know, 70 miles away. It's crazy. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, someone's mowing our, a lawn uh, in the next town. Our, you hear our, it like a, in the background. So what you want is a dynamic Yes, our, our co-host Ben had that problem with the Yeti that he yes. was picking up his neighbours mowing his lawn, literally. Incredibly <laughs> sensitive. What, what, Smokey, you say you're upgrading your mic. Mm. If you get a dynamic, you will instantly notice there was oh, no yeah. hiss. There's no, there's no, Absolutely. You, know, you won't hear next door going out from... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. It was it was literally because I it, it, I had to have it serve one purpose, and that was to aim at my mouth and capture that noise. Mm-hmm. Which I know it sounds like every mic should do that, but they don't. But this one did do that, and because I was a beginner, it wasn't massively expensive either. So that that was the one I I switched to using, and and I and I love it. It's great, it, and it's going to be very handy if I ever need a backup. But it's just I'm going to be moving on. Um, but it, for now, it's it's still perfectly fine. It still works yeah. like a dream, and it wasn't expensive, so it's all good. I would, I would say uh, um, more more important. Uh, I won't belabor this point because I'm sure we're boring all the people who aren't here for tech talk. I'm afraid um, so. <laughs> yeah. I would say more important uh, than uh, a good mic is um, a good recording environment. You know, yes, make sure your I doors agree. are shut. Make sure you're yep. not in a room that's all hard walls and hard floors and mirrors around you and hard surfaces and like drafts and things. Yeah, honestly, you'd be surprised if you just hang like a piece of muslin behind the mic, how much yeah. of a difference it makes. It really I used does. to record the first secret history of Hollywood shows underneath my... Under your you know, stairs? And Yeah, underneath the stairs. <laughs> but before that, it was uh, beneath my um, my daughter's bunk bed because oh, it wow. was the most enclosed space I could find. And I used to just hang a blanket and literally have a blanket of bed. I just sweat my ass off under there, <laughs> you know, recording the games afoot and uh, hunting yeah. Walt Disney. And the more you insulate the sound, the Wonderful. better it sounds. Yeah. And well, that's I, the effect I, you get from a dynamic mic, which is I, what I'm using now. I, I still have a sheet over my window, literally, mm. because, of mm. the, because of the noise interference when it's windy. It, mm. It's really, I, I still have it there because it's <laughs> it's just so much better when I do. But there you go. Anyway, we'll get off that. But I hope that I hope that helps. Um, and now he says, uh, the fun one. Uh, out of all the films you have reviewed so far, which is your absolute favourite? So we've done, what, 15 episodes? Well, this is our 16th. Devil Doll. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about my favourite. Uh, my favourite is very different from what I consider to be the best film. Uh, my yeah. favourite so far, I'm definitely the Devil Doll. Yeah, wow. how about you? I mean, that's a, that's a great shout. I mean, I I I, I love the Devil Doll. I love Let's it be honest. So much. I think our highest rated film so far between us is probably Out of the Past, right? Yeah. But would you rather if if I said to you now, let's grab a beer? Do you want to watch Out of the Past or the Devil Doll? Which would you pick? <sighs> Devil Doll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Out of the Past is a masterpiece, but I'm it's, not always in the yeah. mood for it. Devil Doll, I could watch that any time. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's it's the same with um, Night of the Hunter. I adored that, and mm-hmm. uh, Nightmare Alley. I I love that so much. Um, you got to be in the right mood, though. Don't you? you do, but I think. Do you know what? <laughs> I'm just looking down the list now. I think you're right. If it, regardless of mood, I'm more than happy to watch Devil Doll anytime. <laughs> 
Who knew? I think uh, you've shown it to your friends and stuff. Since, I did. You? Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah, because it's an absolute classic. Who was it? I can't remember who emailed us and said, I can't believe you gave a nine to that doll movie. I was like, yeah, we did. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you not realise how much fun these films are? <laughs> oh, it's it's magnificent. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Devil Doll. Uh, yeah, Sonic. Yeah, Devil Doll. It's the best thing we've reviewed so far. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's, it's above Out of the Past and Night of the Hunter. <laughs> so, yeah. Who thought we'd ever say that? Wow. Yeah. yeah, great question, though. Uh, and then he rounds off. He says, once again, many thanks for the hours of funny you have given me and all the best listeners that you have. Oh, have given me and all the best listeners you have. That makes sense. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. And wow. then he says, all all the best and Foxy Stoat, which is a very nice callback to my other show. So he's a listener at Radio Nation as well. Thank you very much, Simon. Um, what yeah, other so show? That- that was uh, yeah. so. That was uh, that was Simon. Thank you very much, Simon. That's very kind of Thanks, you. Thanks, Simon. You're a mensch. Yeah, that's Adam's favourite word at the moment. He he loves that. Um, I just know so many of them. That's all. <laughs> we will come Including on to one you. of them a little bit later. <laughs> we will do. Okay. okay. So this was um, this was uh, a, a listener suggestion. This was our mutual friend Bonnie. Mm-hmm. It was uh, her suggestion. Um, 1943's The More the Merrier, uh, starring uh, Gene Arthur and John McRae and Charles Coburn. Now, this, uh, as usual, was a first time watch for me. You had seen this before? Right. So, when uh, uh, you told me about this, oh God. Um, no, no, no. when you say <laughs> right, I get worried. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you told me what Bonnie had picked, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And I had this film confused in my brain with The Devil and Miss Jones because it's largely the same cast. It's Gene Arthur, Charles Coburn. And and uh, I kind of like that film, but um, it's not one that, you know, instantly springs to the top of my list every time. Hmm. So I was kind of, oh, okay, yeah, fine, yeah. I've, I've watched that, you know, recently. Uh, you know, next time we record, I'll, you know, the day before, I'll watch it again. But um, yesterday, I put this on, and I was like, hang on a minute, I've totally misremembered this. And I have oh, seen really? it before. I have seen The More the Merrier before. Um, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised by how much um, I enjoyed this. And uh, as I was watching it again, uh, yes, I do remember this, and I'm very happy that Bonnie's picked it. And God bless you, Bonnie. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. But also, with the, in a kind of roundabout way, it, it it's quite... Um, uh, timely for you because it was mm-hmm. remade. Uh, it was Cary Grant's last film when he remade yeah. it. Is that right? Walk Down Run. Yeah, yeah. It was remade as Walk Down Run with Samantha Regar. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen that. And uh, do do they compare? Um, Walk Down Run's not a great movie. This is definitely a better movie. Um, I am a huge fan. I was watching this yesterday and was reminded of how snappy the dialogue is and how mm. well the jokes land. Um, and as well, as well, the jokes as well, what I love about this film is the jokes are all basically dialogue-driven, yeah. uh, apart from a few sort of sight gags where, you know, there's a few, like, tricky shots in apartments, you know, where people are putting mm. things and falling over and, you know... Sure, kind of uh, uh, we'll flying get, we'll, trousers. We'll <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but all the dialogue-driven jokes are very, very... Uh, what's the word? You don't. They're not dwelt upon. 
you know? No. Like a no. joke is fired on, and then, it's, yeah. you know, and then another character will say something else, and that's equally yeah. as funny. And you're laughing at that one, and then they will just take that and just sort of go, yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. It's very we'll clever. It's very clever, this, this script. <laughs> it, all the dialogue in this film, the dialogue is king in this mm. film. I think it's yeah. brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I would say, um, if, if you think this is going to be a, stand, a slapstick kind of thing, it has that to it. But the, the real gem is the dialogue and the way that it respects the audience. It doesn't take a breath after a joke to say, hey, laugh. Mm. You know, it sort of it gives you a joke and then goes on to another one, gives on to another one, goes on to another yeah. one. And the way it does that, I, I love that because it's so respectful to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. watching the film and I'm going, I don't need to be told that's a joke. I just get yes. just people. You know, people talking to each other, and they're talking, and you're you're cracking up. And by the end of the conversation that they've had for the past five minutes, you've laughed like eight times, and then you just it gets to a crescendo of this sort of you know dialogue, and you're like, oh, you know what? I love this film. Yeah. <laughs> instead of instead of here's a joke, and then let's calm down for a minute. Here's a joke, and let's calm down for a minute. Here's a joke, let's calm down for a minute. It's just fired off. It's fired off at you in a very respectful way, and I absolutely. Love the writing. How do you do? How do you do? I'm Benjamin Dingle. You certainly are. I'm about to your party. I'm sorry, I've already rented it. Just a moment, young lady. Do you think you know me well enough to lie to me? Yes. You would show you shouldn't do it. Do you realize that practically most of the trouble in the world comes from people lying to people? Just take Hitler, for instance. He's I'm lovely. sorry, mister, but I prefer... Uh, Mr. Dingle. Mr. Dingle, I prefer sharing my apartment with a lady. That's fine, so would I. Uh, I'm sure you'd be happier someplace else. I've been there. Now, look, please, we think of my position. I can't go around just renting my apartment to anybody. I'm not just anybody. And besides, I'm only doing it because of the housing congestion in Washington. You said it. I, I think it's my patriotic duty to take somebody in because everything is so overcrowded. I'm overcrowded. Uh, why don't you go to the YMCA? I'm too old. Or the, the veterans' home. I'm too young. Well, I don't know what to say. Look, sooner or later, I'm going to rent half this apartment. Suppose I have a look at it, eh? Just looking. It's no use your looking because I made up my mind to rent to nobody but a woman. Now, let me ask you something. Would I ever want to wear your stockings? No. Would I ever want to borrow your girdle or, or your red and yellow dancing slippers? Of course not. Well, any woman, no matter who, would insist upon borrowing that dress you got on right now. You know why? Because it's so pretty. I made it myself. Then how would you like it if she spilled a cocktail all over it at a party you couldn't go with her to because she'd borrowed it to go to it? In. She might have something that I could wear. Not her. Why not? Because she's so dumpy looking. How do I know you'd be any better? Well, look at me. I'm neat, like a pen. Look, I'll I... tell you what. We'll try it out for a week. The end of the week comes. If you're not happy, we'll flip a coin to see who moves out. Isn't it really refreshing to not mm. be treated like a child? By a film. Absolutely. This is you one know, of the yeah. sole examples of 1940s comedies that doesn't feel like, you know, it's manufactured to be a comedy. It yes. has a story, but it's a funny story. And it is. the dialogue serves it so well. Uh, and you come away from it laughing your ass off, but you don't feel like they've gone, now we're going to write a comedy. We need yes. to say a joke and do a joke and do a thing. It's just very naturalistic. It's brilliant. It's an absolute masterpiece. You, you've hit you've hit pretty much every point that I kind of wanted to make. It, it's that I was watching this and, and I watched it earlier today, and and I was thinking, well, the, the you, right, say the opening of the film. We'll go, we'll go through the plot briefly in a moment, but you've mm-hmm. got the opening of a film. You've got a setup, right? But mm-hmm. it's not it's not the setup 
for what the film is about to be. And then Mm -hmm. you get the setup for what the film is about to be. And you're thinking back to the beginning and going, did I really need to know that? But yes, you do. And so it really is. It is really treating you like um, uh, an educated person who can actually understand that's going on. And so... I was watching this and just going, well, that's that's a curious way to do things. And oh, okay, fair mm. enough. And then and then and then I'm like, um, I was a little bit a bit a little bit trepidatious because I'd seen the trailer um, because I posted it on our show socials, and mm. I was like, oh no, it's like, is this is this going to be zany? I said, I'm not yeah. a big fa- that, I'm not a big that's fan of zany. The poster and the trailer make it look mm. like it's going to be very zany. Yeah, which so. which it isn't. It really is not. I, I need no, to put that right out there. If you, if because people in our in our Facebook or our Twitter, if you'd seen the trailer, it's sort of like, uh, I, right? It's so misleading. That trailer is so Absolutely. misleading. Do you know what? Do you know what this reminded me of uh, in terms of marketing is mm. Roman Holiday. Like mm. you watch a trailer for that and the poster for that, it's very bouncy and it's like, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a zany comedy. And you know, yeah. you've got Audrey Hepburn putting the hand on the thing and she snatches it away and goes ah, and kind of thing. Yeah. And and you watch that trailer and you go, I don't know if I fancy that kind of film. Mm. And then you watch Roman Holiday and it's mm-hmm. actually a very sweet, very low key romance film that's mm. ultra realistic. And then it ends on this heartbreaking, poignant third act. Oh, we'll get um, to but that. If you, but, but, but if you watch Roman Holiday, um, mm. if, you watch, if you base your opinion of what Roman Holiday is going to be upon the trailer, you just go, oh, I don't fancy that at all. It just looks too much. But but that's the thing with More the Merrier. You know, yeah. you, the poster says, home is where you hang your guests. And it's got Charles Coburn and John McRae hanging from either side of a, you know, yep. a, a coat hook thing. A, a, a word that I don't like using, but you can use it. It looks bawdy. Yes, you know, it looks it, bo- it looks bawdy. It looks yeah, yeah. totally ribald yeah. kind of thing. Um, did you did you see the, the um, sorry? I was just going to say, did you see the alternative tagline, which is on, only more the more the merrier has a dingle, and it's like, come on. <laughs> That's like <laughs> seaside postcard stuff from this, this country. This is classic. This is classic um, uh, golden age Hollywood because you know Val Luton when he made his horror films, who they were. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let me just explain. No, no. <laughs> all right, let's let, let's take nine hours, shall we? <laughs> let's not do that. But, um, uh, but but his films were often handed off to the marketing department and sent off out to the world, like the body snatch or you know Isle sure. of the Dead, and they were yeah. very moody pieces. But they were called you know oh a carnival of blood or listen you know come and see the new yeah. Sultan of Shocks movie and you know yeah. it's kind of like they had to get people in the door and you can see why they, they did. did it. Yeah. But um, now when you watch them, totally misleading. Yeah. The more the merrier is a total victim of that because it's made out to be this zany bouncy kind of weird uh, you know totally frothy comedy and it's not it's actually got some depth to it it's all dialogue based it's very very emotionally engaging Mm. it's a really involving story as a character piece it's it's really good i mean you know apart from charles coburn is is quite you know not as not as deep as the other two characters but he's he's equally as you know engaging it's a very very good film it's a very very Mm -hmm. clever film um and it's got way more to it than the trailer would suggest or the marketing would suggest yeah absolutely i i I was just going to echo what you're saying is that um another film we've had 
that we've reviewed on here, um, which was that the the trailer let it down so much was Ninotka. I mean that mm. portrayed that portrayed that as a kind of zany romantic comedy when it had so much more. You know the the perils of communism and all that mm. stuff going on. And when we watch, um, and, and you said yourself, when you rewatched that, you saw it in a completely different way. Absolutely, and, yeah. and, and what That's a fantastic what film! Oh, what a fantastic film that is! And mm-hmm. um, we'll always thank Ali for bringing that to us. But this, this was the same. I mean, I, I, as I said, I watched the trailer and and I was just like, oh god, this is vapid. It's going to be yeah. uh, an exercise yeah. in vapid is the word. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an exercise in zaniness, <laughs> which I really <laughs> detest. I have a real problem with zaniness. It drives me up the wall. But another uh, another word I think he used that was was depth. This has depth. Real to, depth, yeah. To to yeah. all the characters. I mean, I I know what you're saying about um, Charles Coburn there, but um, uh, he's Charles not Coburn's as... character is is fantastic. In yeah, this. I'm not yeah, I'm yeah. not disparaging him in any way. No, no. But no, I think no. the I'm marketing for these films was always designed to just grab people in, just get mm-hmm. them in. Doesn't matter, you know, what the film's about. Just get them in the door. Yeah. And I think you know, especially in '43 when this was made, people were like, "Oh, escapism, please, escapism." We want, you know, don't want to think about the war. Don't want to think about my job. Don't want to think about the fact that my kids are juvenile delinquents because their father's off to war, or I'm at the munitions factory every day. You know, they want light. They want, you know, they, fun. Course, they want fun, yeah. fun, 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 fun. Yeah, yeah. So they they used this marketing stuff to bring people in, bring people in, and then people arrived and they found these movies and they went. Yeah, actually, this has got some heft to it. It's a bit different. The more the yeah. merrier is the perfect example of that. Sure, because, you know, you, you walk in the door and you go, "Well, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. It's very clever. Yep, it actually has emotional depth to it. Sure, the characters yeah. are the characters are just wonderful. M- you know, I mean, you talk about characters being paper thin. These these are like you know phone books <laughs> depth. Oh, They're like you know they yeah. have total you know depth to them. Mm-hmm. Very clever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I think- uh, it's something. It's something we talked about before with um, when we reviewed uh, the Sherlock Holmes movie, when we did Pearl of Death. Um, people were looking for escapism. So yeah, you know, it's forty three. You're still in the middle of total, total war. Yeah, and it's probably the bleakest it, period of the war as well. Exactly, and and granted, in this film, they don't shy away from it. They do mention the war on several occasions, and the implications that being affiliated with a certain side—to not spoil it for people who haven't seen it—but affiliated <laughs> with a certain side who are fighting this war, it's it's actually quite important. But they don't they don't stick a flag in it and say, right, this is the point of the film. This is not the point of the film to to feel patriotic or to forget about the Nazis or anything like that. It's just it's a feel good romantic comedy, but with a with an edge to it. Mm. For for like a, one of a better term, like, like a very sophisticated yes um, sensibility to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not it's not like they're going. Oh, it's a rom com, so we need to be dumb. You know, they're going. It's a it's a romantic situation. That's uh, funny and okay, played for comedy, but um, very smart, very human, mm. uh, and has a lot to say about the human condition. It's, it's just a yeah. really clever, clever film. It really is. I mean, I, 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 I know you, you're not, <laughs> as we were talking about off mic, but um, you're not a big fan of doing this, but I, I went through the trivia on this and the attention to detail that the filmmakers put in mm. to, to um, 
you know, sort of bolster the 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 mood and, and whatnot, and and the, the whole um, backstory of where they are being um, eight women to one man ratio. Mm, yeah, that that was fascinating, and they kept doing it. I know throughout that's the, the, the film. great things. The, the great thing Wonderful. is they kept that through line. They didn't. Yeah. it wasn't a throwaway thing. I nope. think. I think we, before we go any further, I think we should yes, probably yes. explain what the plot's about because I think people are probably going to go. That is what the f- film. Sorry. <laughs> yes. No. You're right. You're right. That's that's right. Um, that's my but, fault. Do you want to go? No. 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 Not at all. I, I, I'm, it's not your fault at all. I think we're just so excited about. <laughs> it. We were. We were. <laughs> so basically, um, there's a retired millionaire, and mm. his name is Benjamin Dingle, played by uh, Charles Coburn. He arrives in Washington DC um, as an advisor on the housing shortage, and he yeah. uh, arrives two days early because he thinks that's a good thing to do um, mm-hmm. because he wants to get the job done. Um, but all of the hotel, there's a housing shortage in Washington, and uh, um, literally his hotel suite is not available for two days, so he has to find somewhere else to live. So he looks through the papers and he can see that everyone is looking for somewhere to live in Washington, D.C. But he finds one ad um, where, uh, you know, uh, someone has offered up a part of their apartment. So he goes along and finds this uh, reluctant young woman, Connie Milligan, played by Jean Arthur. Oh. And, 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 and utterly persuades Mate. her to rent him out. Gush of the, gush of the week. Gush of the <laughs> of week. Of course, of course. She's, you know, the, the cutest thing ever. The movie. But, um... He he persuades her into subletting him half of her apartment, and the the situation you would kind of imagine is that you know this crusty old guy is mm-hmm. going to live with this very young attractive girl, and they will clash. Yeah. But um, Benjamin Dingle has kind of plans. He kind of speaks to her about you know why aren't you married and are you looking for love? And it turns sure. out that she's she's kind of what would you call her like OCD-ish to an extent oh, uh, kind of yeah I mean, she, she, has, she likes things ordered she's very officious turns yeah. out she's a sort of seeing a guy from the state department and he is one of these very well i mean he's very high powered quite high up but he's also quite a bit of a dullard as well he, yeah he's dullard he's you know, he's very highly strung mm. um she's obviously not happy and she no. wants to be swept off her but feet but she, she's sort of she's been engaged for 22 months Yes. And he hasn't put, and he hasn't pulled the trigger yet. The fact that she says twenty-two months in here, and he said, "What? Two years? What? Twenty-two months?" <laughs> and he's like, "Well, that tells me everything I need to know." The fact that you keep you keep time on all these things. Anyway, so um, uh, another person comes answering the ad to uh, yeah. share the apartment. Uh, Joel McRae, and mm-hmm. he plays uh, Joe Carter. He's uh, an inventor, mm-hmm. and he. Uh, Benjamin sees uh, Joe and, and sort of says, why don't you sublet my half of the half of the apartment that I've got? This is such um, a good idea. You hear about the apartment? Yeah, it says half an apartment. Is it rented? You look like a high-type, clean-cut, nice young fella. No, it's not rented. Come in. It's really only half of half of an apartment. But it's not rented. Good. What's your name? Carter. Bill Carter? Joe Carter. I used to know a fellow named Bill Carter. Wasn't me. Don't you suppose I know that? What'd you ask for then? I guess I know what Bill Carter looked like. Not like me. Oh, then you know Bill Carter. No, I don't. But he sounds like a great guy. Oh my God, right? So um, then he has to hide the fact that he sublet his half (laughs) from Connie. (laughs) 
Um, so there's three people living in this tiny little apartment and the clockwork of how they move oh. around the apartment without hitting each other, yeah. you know, that takes up a good quarter of the film. It, yeah, and, it and, is. Then it, and then it turns into, you know, obviously Connie finds out that Joe mm-hmm. is living there. She quickly falls in love with him. He falls in love with her. Mm. And there's your ignition. I don't think we yeah. should give any more away because you know no, no. that's kind of where the engine turns on. In I, I think story, that's good. But... Should, should we point out that Joe turns up to looking for the room to rip with a <laughs> with an entire propeller over his arm? <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Mm. Yeah, I love that bit. Um, look, I, I, I've got a couple of things I want to go through if you don't mind. Let's not put too fine a point on it. Well, this is my opinion, and I hope you agree. But this is Charles Coburn's movie. He owns this movie. One of the points I wanted to bring up uh, mm-hmm. during this conversation with you, um, I think probably 80% of what I love about the golden age of Hollywood is that you had people like Charles Coburn getting star billing. Yeah. You just don't get that these days. You occasionally get Stellan Skarsgård or someone like mm. that, you know, or Pierce Brosnan. But he's always, it's always, yeah, exactly. But Michael it's Parks. In, <clears throat> Michael yeah. Parks in Red State. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's always, it's always blah, 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 yeah. And Judy Dench. Blah, blah, sure. blah, 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 blah. And gotcha. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Charles Coburn is the most unlikely movie star you could yeah. ever imagine in your life. He's, you know, uh-huh. a 60-whatever-year-old man. He's overweight. He has jowls. He has eight chins. You know, but he's incredibly funny, incredibly talented. And because mm-hmm. of that, studio said, give the guy top billing. Give he's it. on the, yep. he's above the credits. Yep. To get the leopard lady single-handed. Bang! The door opens. Face to face with the leopard lady herself. You have arrived as I expected, Mr. Tracy. Now I will make a bargain with you. What fiendish plan have you now? With the death ray ours, we can conquer and rule the world. You and I, Dick Tracy. Count me out of your plan, Leopard Lady, for I mean to bring you to justice. Have you forgotten that I have the death ray? But without my help, it is powerless. Perhaps some boiling oil on your back will persuade you to help me. Gosh, that Dick Tracy is sure playing with dynamite. Sure is. Is that the best you can do with your time? Mm, Got to keep up with what's going on. I missed two Sundays with Superman once, and I've never felt right since. Seems to me you might read something more beneficial. Like what? Like the editorials, for instance, or the columns. All well-informed people read the columnists. Such as Mr. Pendergast, I suppose. You're right, I suppose. Mr. Pendergast always reads the columnists. Are they funny? Sometimes, but no pictures. Oh, darn. Give me that section, will you? I want to see if anyone I know is being born today. And that's what you've got all the way through the golden age of Hollywood. Edmund Gwen headlining Miracle on 34th Street as Santa sure. Claus. What I love about the golden age of Hollywood is that we're <laughs> completely agnostic to your age. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if you were good, then you were a star. Yep. And Charles Coburn is an absolute star in yes. this film. My God, is he good? <laughs> it's so it's, funny. It's it's something that our uh, House of Hammer co-host uh, Ben has said on several occasions. He's like, I don't know what it is, but he has it, mm. and and Charles Coburn has it in spades. 
he he's, rolls he's his an... sleeves up. He just gets oh. stuck in. It's not like he goes, well, I'm older, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. He's knocking around. He's rolling around on the ceiling, on the rooftop scene. You know, he's reading the diary, yeah. getting smacked on the bum. He's like, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, this is a guy who was playing a lawyer in the Paradine yeah. case yeah, the yeah. same year. You know, with Gregory, very officious, sure. you know, doing a very serious thing. Absolute it's, genius. And, and, he, and he deservedly won the Oscar for this. So, yes, absolutely, and you know, never more deserved. He is absolutely yes. brilliant. In this I, 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 yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't fault his performance. And also, his his character, it's, it's that there's nothing stereotypical about it at all. Mm. You know, he's not the bumbling old man. No, you know, he, he's sharp as a tack. He knows exactly. what he's doing. He's and, whip and, smart. He answers yes. back. He, he 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 makes when someone makes a joke, he doesn't go. What did you just say, young lady? You know, yeah. he just he just fires one back, and then sometimes she doesn't get it, and it's like you yeah. know, bosh, you know, one nil. It, it happens. <laughs> it ha- I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it happens several times throughout the film. Is mm. that the, the people he's talking to don't get his jokes, but the I audience know. do, and exactly. it's sort of like, oh, that's so damn clever. It's 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 a joy to watch. He he was brilliant. He I mean I don't get me wrong. We'll we'll come on to we'll come on to the others brief in a moment. But he made the film for me. He made oh, this film for me. Total MVP in this film. Well, saying that, I mean he is. I mean they're all great in this film. But Charles Coburn doesn't he? I mean, watching this film really restores your faith in the fact that, and this is going to sound wrong. I don't mean it to, but <laughs> <laughs> I really don't mean it to. But old people are funny as well. You know, don't write them off of because course. you watch Charles Coburn in The More the Merrier, and you go, <laughs> "I'd rather watch a film about this guy yeah. than a love story." I'm sorry, sure, but yeah, but yeah, and just you should it's never like, write um, anyone off. It's like what's he called? Uh, Topper. It's like that. Yeah, you know, Roland Young in that. Topper. Yeah, I mean, my God, <laughs> who would picture him as the funniest thing in a movie when you have Cary Grant and Constance Bennett, but then you have Roland Young pretending to be, you know, possessed, walking around a hotel lobby, tripping over suitcases, and you go, <laughs> "This guy's like fifty-one." <laughs> it's wonderful, hell? isn't it? Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, but let's go on to the others. So we have Gene Arthur and we have John McRae. Um, I'm going to say something possibly controversial here. Do you think Joel McRae was miscast? I can think of several other people who might have done a better job. Mm-hmm. But I think Joel McRae is very good in this film. I think he is astonishingly handsome. Sometimes he comes across as a pretty boy trying to be funny, when in mm. actual fact, his whole brand of performance was built upon the fact that he was very, very good, but you spend so long looking at him that you don't spend as much time understanding what he's trying to do. Like he's okay. great in Foreign Correspondent, which sure, is a pro- Hitchcock film, which is fabulous. Silver Cord, <laughs> Silver Cord. I mean, you know, he's great in that. But I mean, if you think about the characters he plays in Silver Cord, Foreign mm-hmm. Correspondent, sure, more the merrier. They're perfect for what they are. Perfect for John McRae. And yes, you can imagine that Gary Cooper might have been better in Foreign Correspondent or that, you know, Cary Grant might have been better in More this. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but um, I don't think the, John McRae puts a foot wrong. I just think there were better people than him. That's all. For, for me personally, I, I see where you're coming from. I do. He's a very handsome dude. But I don't know. There was something about this part. There were a few beats where I'm just looking at him going, he needs... 
he needs more of a twinkle in his eye. He, he don't, it's like that line from Jaws, isn't it? He's got dark eyes, like a, a shark's eye, you know, like a mm-hmm. doll's eyes. It's like sometimes I'm looking at it and I'm just going, all right, hang on, you, you've missed that beat. And I was, and, and especially towards the latter part of the film as well. And I was just sort of like, he's not, he wasn't quite hitting it for me. Um, but Cary Grant would have nailed this role. And then, of course, as we said, you know, he goes on to play, well, to play a different role in the remake. But mm. I just I just think someone like Cary Grant with that little twinkle would have just been I, I agree. a bit better. I agree to an extent, yeah. I do think that if Cary Grant had taken Joel McRae's role, mm-hmm. then I think it would have been a Cary Grant film and not necessarily a Charles Coburn film, which Fair I think dish. would have taken the, 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 the shine away slightly from... Because I think Gene Arthur and Charles Coburn... Mm. Are so good in this. I mean, Jean Arthur is. Oh, I mean, she's as good as Charles Coburn in this thing. He's. Like, I wanted to come on to Jean Arthur. <laughs> just forgive my term, mm. but you know what I mean. I wanted to discuss her as well. <laughs> but but she she's she's luminous. She's wonderful. She's amazing in this. I she mean, is. She, she's great in everything she does. But this one in particular, I mean, there's a film she made called A Foreign Affair, which was a Billy Wilder film mm-hmm. from, I yeah. think, 1950, where she plays this very uptight senator um, who comes to investigate morale in post-war Berlin, where all these soldiers are, and she arrives, and she's very sort of stuffy and stuff, and she's slowly thawed. I think she plays that character very, very well in films. Um, uh, and there's certainly an element of that in More Than Marriage. She begins as this very uptight character who's who's been zipped up by life um who then slowly thaws throughout the film and becomes a bit of a romantic i, I was looking is, at what i'd seen her in um because obviously i i do keep my little list smith goes to town washington, mrs smith goes yeah. to washington yeah um you can't take it with you yeah 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 and then this uh easy living Easy Living, you watched that at the film festival, didn't we? Yeah, she, yeah, she's great in that. And then History is Made at Night as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, she's that's, she's a, that's a, a bloody good filmography <laughs> from yeah, what I've seen. I, I mean, you look, you list those film roles and you go, you can't really pin her down to playing that type because there's no type she plays. She plays free spirits in one, she plays uptight in the next. So that's the proof of a good actress. But I think in this film, she's. She's just so bloody perfect. As mm-hmm. you know, Amazing I, casting. She nailed it. What do you have to say for yourself? Have you met my friend Joe Carter? I just met Joe Carter. Oh, fine fella. Mr. Dingle, answer me this. Who was it located and leased this apartment? Who was it made the, the landlord repaper and repaint it? And who was it bought furniture and drapes and made rag rugs? And who considers this apartment her home? You. All right, then. Answer me this. Who was it allowed you to sublet half her apartment against her better judgment? You. Then why do you go behind my back and rent my apartment to this, this, him? But I only rented half of my half. Otherwise, my friend Joe here would have had to sleep in the park. Otherwise, your friend Joe here is going to would have had to sleep in the park anyway. And you, too. Now, out. Out. Both of you. Wait a minute. I'm paid up for the week. I gave him six bucks. Well, give him back his six bucks. Well, I had to send some telegrams and... Uh... And I'm not going to move till I get my six bucks. Give him a check. Hmm? No checks. Now, look here. I don't owe you the six bucks. He owes you the six bucks. Now, listen, Miss Milligan. I paid you $12 for a week's rent, and I've only been here one night. Now, you give me back the difference, and I'll have the money to pay him with. That solves it. Yes. Only... 
Well, I bought a hat. You bought a hat? Where's my money? In her hat. It is not. It's in his pocket, only he hasn't got it. Say, what do you think you're doing? Just looking at the hat. Pretty, isn't it? You've got a nerve. Looks pretty on her, too, doesn't it? Oh, it does not. That isn't even the way it goes on. Now, where were we? Looking for my six bucks. Well, I told you that I... Now, look, you don't think that I'm going to get... All right, stay. But just one week, remember. Come on, I'll show you the schedule. What schedule? For the steeplechase in the morning. Amazing. Yeah. But even when she's uptight, she's so... I don't want to like, reduce her down, but she's so cute. Yeah, you know, she's adorable. She, she's got her pigtails and she's like, you know, hopping around. She like, sits there with the cross legs going, now at 7 a.m. you need to walk to the bathroom. At <laughs> 7.03 yeah. you need to get your toothbrush done and stuff. And when she's doing that stuff, you just like totally buy it. Like, wow, uh, yeah. you really are like so wound the, tight. Yeah, the, the, the word I used was adorable. She was absolutely adorable. She and absolutely as you say, adorable. she's saying, right, I have to make my bed at 7.20 and I have to finish <laughs> brushing my teeth at 7.23 and then it's coffee at 7.28. And I'm like, do, do you know what? Yes, all right, Jean, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care, I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, gush of the week, probably gush of the year. Jean Arthur is steady. You know, what a... You know. <laughs> All-time crush for me, yeah, 100%. Uh, just, you know, we, we haven't done any more Sally Gray or Joan Blondell movies yet, so, you know, hold <laughs> hold your horses there, sunshine. <laughs> I must admit, though, I was looking at my list as well to see what I'd seen, uh, what else I'd seen uh, Charles Coburn in, and I really haven't seen a lot, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, obviously, I've seen Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, mm. uh, but I've also seen Heaven Can Wait, um, which is a wonderful Iron Maiden song as well, by the way. Um, but also um, uh, <laughs> a film which I still struggle to comprehend, which is uh, Lured. Oh, my God, yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> That's why I brought it up, because I wanted to see if you did. <laughs> oh, my God, yes, I remember that one. Yeah, I mean, you remember you remember the cast from that movie. I mean, not only is it George Sanders and Lucille Ball, but it's also Boris Karloff as well. What a film that, that is! So much. That's such a great <laughs> film, though. <laughs> I, th- I think we might have to review that on here at some point. Yeah, that's such a strange film because it's like a film of eight parts, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very clever. Yeah, it's a mental movie. <laughs> um, but let's let's go back a little bit into the film. So, as you say, you've got this. I mean, what do you call it? Do you call it a two's company, three's a crowd type film? Yeah, or, I mean, it's, the, the yeah. basic setup is you have three very unlikely house partners suddenly thrust together into a tiny little apartment mm-hmm. sharing the apartment. And that's your basic setup. I would say that I think that during the second act, it kind of it kind of loses confidence in itself and i was gonna agree with that it shoves charles coburn off into a bit of a side he disappears he does he just disappears and i think the film suffers for that slightly it really does it becomes far too much of a let's focus on gene arthur and john mccray love story which is unfortunate because it does it does you do kind of like i've loved these people and now you're just separating them and i don't like i know the magic, um, the magic on the screen is when all three yeah. of them are together. 
And first when forty it, as, minutes of this film are, are perfect. Yeah, per, I I completely agree. But it but it mm. comes to that that middle act, and they they separate them, and it loses its luster, and then they bring them back, and then they separate mm. them again, and it's sort yeah. of like, oh, oh come on, right? Um, you, you're toying with me now. This isn't fair. You you know what the star power of it is of this film, and you mm. take you keep you keep it's. Uh, Carrot on a stick, isn't it? You keep dangling it in front of my face, and then you're taking it away again. And it's yeah. like, well, that that's that's not fair. But then it's also the fact is that forgive me, but the romance side between Gene Arthur and um, and Mister McRae is it's it's not the most exciting thing in the world, really, because the it's not the best word, but the peril that comes from Charles Coburn being on screen and what happens later on in the film, as you say, we're not going to spoil it if people haven't seen it. Um, it it's not enough, unfortunately, to to pick it back up again. It gets picked back up, and then and then, unfortunately, I'm I'm going to have to say this right. A, a little downside is is the last ten minutes is it's a bit of a damp squib. It doesn't. It doesn't really do anything. And also, and I've got to say this: I had to do it. I had to do it. But I had to mute Gene Arthur's crying. I I couldn't. I couldn't stand it. As much of a great ass actress she is, her crying was was so annoying. I had to mute it. <laughs> it was driving me up the um, wall, mate. I think uh, it's a film that is what 104 minutes long. I think it's too long. 80. I think if it were 80 minutes long, yep. then I think you're probably looking at the ideal length. I think you get to the 80-minute mark, and then you kind of go, why isn't this finished yet? And then it just kind of keeps going, and it's a bit mm-hmm. unfortunate because, as I, as we say, Charles Coburn is written out of a lot of it, and yep. then he pops back up at the end. And when he pops back up as well, you don't feel like it's natural. It's kind of like... Mm. Um, They've gone, oh, Charles Coburn hasn't been in this for a while. Let's put him back in there. It's not yeah. like he pops back in in any kind of meaningful way. Like, nope. I'm going to have to quickly give <laughs> a spoiler contrived. alert. Mate, yeah. It's contrived. Mate, it's contrived as shit. <laughs> it is. You, you, I'm going to have to give a spoiler alert. Basically, he's booted out of the apartment for reading yep. Gene Arthur's diary. Um, this happens Fair quite enough. early on. Um <laughs> But you, what you want is for him to be accepted back into the apartment and yes. then go on with their adventures. Yes. But he's never accepted back into the apartment, like nope. never in the story. Mm-hmm. And you, you go, where's, where is he? Where is he living now? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what's happened to Charles Coburn, please. Um, and then right at the end, it turns out he's been pulling a few strings and he's been mm-hmm. existing in a certain part of the house, whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna give it away, but um, yeah. Anyway, so um, but, but it's, it's kind of a little bit unsatisfying, mm-hmm. but you can't deny the power of the first forty minutes is fantastic. Yes. The characters yes. are brilliant; they're all Agreed. very well written. The, the comedy from start to finish is very well judged. It's very well written, and it's yeah. so uncondescending, which is a real delight for a nineteen forty three comedy. That's that's a really good point to make. That's a really good point to make actually because the vast majority uh, definitely of the um the sight gags uh, that you mentioned before, they're all in the trailer. All the sight Mm. gags are all in the trailer. And so that's why you think this is gonna be a a French bedroom farce of a comedy, you know, a zany, ridiculous comedy. And it's not at all. There are those moments in it, but they are spaced out. They really are. And there's some yeah. lovely touching moments as well. I mean, the, the the scene towards the end 
um, when they're all in a taxi and they're all chatting with a with a guy who they don't know who he is, um, mm-hmm. and they're all, and that that was beautiful. I loved that to pieces. The um, the scene with uh, John McRae and and Charles Coburn uh, reading Dick Tracy uh, on the roof that was that was wonderful as well. Mm-hmm. It was just beautiful. There were so many wonderful set pieces on this, but for me personally, it was just you had these fantastic fantastically high highs and then these quite maudlin lows and it was just mm-hmm. and, and also i've got to admit um i can't remember the actor's name but uh the who plays her fiance yeah. um uh, prendergast Richard he, Gaines. yeah thank you um it, 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 it was just meh, you know he yeah. didn't add anything really you know and so he, that that kind of pulled it down a little bit as well but I've got to. I've got to reinforce the fact that exactly what you were saying. They those moments are few and far between because this was this was a this was a joy a joy to watch. It really there, was. I, I think there are there are if you look into into what you're watching when you're watching this film, if you look at every moment, there is so much to enjoy. It's just that the first forty minutes are just so exhilarating. Yep. Um, uh, and so intoxicating. That when one element drops out of it, you mm-hmm. go, "Oh, please give me more!" Buzzing watching the first forty minutes, yeah, and absolutely. then it suddenly turns depressing, and mm-hmm. then it tries to kick it up at the end, but it's not enough. I no. don't think there's enough of a. I don't think the end uh, justifies the down you have to go to in the second act, yeah. which is a real shame because I think there's so much to enjoy. But saying that, if you watch the second act and you're not enjoying it. It's still a very sweet love story. It's just yeah, not agree. as exhilarating as the fireworks of the first act. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, it's not a perfect film. It's a film that I <laughs> absolutely love, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it just you you come away from it feeling as though you've seen something flawed but still wonderful. I think. That's yeah, I, the best I agree with that. I agree with that. So you're, you're glad you've uh, come back to it again? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I remember seeing it years ago now, um, but I did get it confused with The Devil and Miss Jones, which is Gene Arthur and Charles Coburn again. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, I've seen that recently. I don't really fancy watching that again. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally glad I've revisited this again. Um, and it's reminded me how bloody good it is and how mm-hmm. bloody good uh, Gene Arthur and Charles Coburn are, especially Charles Coburn, my God. My he, God. He, I, I, as, as I said, mate, it's it's his film. It's his film. Yeah. He owns it's it. Amazing. Yeah, he really is. I, I, I loved him to pieces. And as I said, I've only seen him in a few things, but yeah, I, it just reminded me of how good he is. Um, before we wrap this up, um, I was just curious, actually, um, your relationship with, with uh, George Stevens, the director, the, uh, whether you're a, you're a big fan. I was looking at his filmography. He's done some heavy hits. Yeah, I mean, he's not one of those directors that jumps out at me, but I mean, I love Swing Time, which is mm-hmm. uh, one of... His it's a Fred and Ginger film. He's not one of those actors, uh, sorry, directors that um, I ever go, oh, I need to watch a George Stevens film. Mm. But I have to say, he's one of those people that's a very reliable pair of hands. You know, I agree. <laughs> it's like he, he doesn't really drop the ball. I mean, and I mean, it, he I made mean, he made Shane, and I love that movie. <laughs> Shane's a great film, it's but awesome. he's also one of those journeyman directors who didn't stick to comedy. You know, Alice Adams no. is a very good drama Shane as you say 
as mm-hmm. a great drama. And then you have things like The More the Merrier. Penny Serenade, which is a Cary Grant yes. film with Irene Dunn, which is an incredible weepy. Uh, he did he he did a lot, man. He in a, a, in quite a short amount of time diverse. as well, really. Yeah. Yeah, very diverse. Um, he I did Gunga Din. Oh my word. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> have you do you like Gunga Din? <laughs> I've only seen it once and it was a long time ago. I can't really oh remember God. it to be perfectly honest. That film is phenomenal. That is like if you ever want to watch a golden we should do golden age adventure films soon because you okay. will watch Gunga Din and you will say, My God, I can see Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom there. I can see the Matrix in there. It's incredible. <laughs> it's like one of the most perfect blueprints. For, I'm about to um, um modern cinema. I'm about to alienate uh, about 90% of our audience. I don't like Indiana Jones films, but there you go. Um, anyway, so, um, but he also did uh, Vivacious Lady as well with Jimmy Stewart. So I'm always happy to, yeah, to, to go back to that. But um, yeah, I just, I, I really didn't know very much about him. I didn't know if you did. So you are the, uh, you are the authority here. So I, I know him best from um, being the president of the Screen uh, Directors Guild. And he really, uh, yeah, he was the first presenter on the Screen Directors Playhouse, which was one of my favorite old time oh, radio wow. shows. And he said, you know, we're going to start a new series, and it's going to focus on the directors and their favorite films. And I'm the that's Screen awesome. Directors Guild and president. And our first show is Stagecoach. Gunga did. And every week they would bring on a, a director, and the director instead of the stars would would come on and say, "Oh, that's awesome! Much. This is the show I would like to bring today." And you know, yeah. Frank Capra did "It's a Wonderful Life," and John Ford did Stagecoach, and. He he would bring on directors and he would he would give them the spotlight instead of it always being you know instead of them always being fifth build behind the. I I think that's wonderful. It's it's kind of like that um, inside the actor's studio, but for directors really, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, because I I loved inside the actor's studio (laughs) until. This is really snobbish of me because I, I sort of pick and cher- cherry pick the ones I watch of that, and, and then the next one flashed up in my queue, and it was inside the actor's studio with Rebel Wilson. And I was like, right, I'm done, I'm done, <laughs> I'm done. He's he's run out of people to talk to. <laughs> uh, I, I went off uh, inside the actor's studio. What was the host name again? James. Um, James. Oh. He passed away just recently, didn't he? Well, a year or yeah. two ago. Um, um, Lit, uh, Lippman. Lit, Lit, yeah. James, Lit, Lippman. James Lippman. Yeah. James Lipton. 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 Yeah, that was it. James yeah. Lipton. Um, what, he did, what did you he, go off it? <laughs> I did I went off him because I, he was on a, a New York Times book review podcast I used to listen to. I was okay. obsessed with this thing. And they had, they had people like Gene Wilder on there talking about films he'd, uh, books he'd written. Wonderful. And they had James Lipton on there talking about his memoirs of Inside the Actors Studio. I remember him being the most pretentious b- <laughs> oh no he was like oh if you're very unlucky I'll tell you a story about when I did this thing on a stage and you yeah. hear this host go <laughs> and, he, and he says okay well I'll tell you then like, <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't want to hear it <laughs> it was like quite clearly it's weird, didn't want it? it it's so weird yeah. when you sit, when you hear or see an interview with someone who you really respect and they just come across as a, an ass. It is funny you mentioned G. Wilder though, because as I said, you, you see some interviews, and I don't know if you ever if you saw it, but Gene Wilder was on Frank Skinner's chat show, and oh really? G- yeah, Gene Wilder did not want to be there. 
He didn't know who Frank Skinner was, and he is the most combative, irritable guest you've ever seen on a on a chat show ever. I mean, Frank was trying his bre- best, you know. He really was giving it a go to try and <laughs> he engage. He was trying his best. <laughs> Stroking. But no, no, he was. He was just trying to engage, and Gene Wilder was having none of it. And it wasn't long before Gene Wilder passed away either, and, and he just was <laughs> having none of it. If you want to see Car Crash TV, watch that. It's, yeah, it's it's very, very sad. So, back to the film then. But to be perfectly honest, I think we've actually pretty much covered all we need to with uh, with the more the merrier. Unless there was anything else you wanted to add. <laughs> I just, I, I want to add that uh, no matter what my score is or how people might perceive the way I score this thing, mm-hmm. I think this is a brilliant film. I think it's yes. very well directed. I think it's very, very cleverly written. Mm-hmm. And I think the stars are all fabulous in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think... No matter what you might think or what you might take away from the way we've talked about this film, you should definitely go and see The More the Merrier. Yes, and it's actually it's readily available online as mm-hmm. well. So it is yeah. it's yeah, it's it's, 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 it's it, it really is. There, there's several different versions out there that you can mm-hmm. that you can watch. Um yeah, I, I'm actually going to I'm going to echo what you said there is that yeah, d- regardless of what our score is, it, this is thoroughly enjoyable. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's and, and 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 thank you Bonnie for suggesting it uh, suggestion thank you bonnie for suggesting it to us it's um yeah what what a, what a, what a cracking pick um uh, adam would you like to give us your rating out of 10 for yeah i'm going to give this an i'm going to give this an 8 mm. um i think this could have been easily a 10 i just think the uh, there are certain parts in it that just go oh i have to chip a bit off of that i have to chip a bit off of that because it's not a film i can actually reach for any time i did think to my to be honest that um it was heading that way um and then i was reminded of certain flaws in the film just make me go yeah yeah i'd love to watch this film now but there's that bit i have to get i know exactly what you mean yeah um it's a brilliant film it's Mm -hmm. incredibly clever i would say Mm -hmm. watch it for the dialogue it's a masterclass in dialogue if you're a screenwriter or have any screenwriting ambitions yeah then um, this is one of those films where you watch it and you just marvel at the fact that mm-hmm. someone thought it would be incredibly funny to have dialogue this rapid and this funny and this natural and, st- and still come out of it the other side, calling it a, a, a comedy. It's yeah, very hard. It's very hard to explain, but um, I mean, I'll be dropping clips in all the way through this show, and you'll understand what I mean when you when you hear those clips. It's an incredibly clever film. It's incredibly charming. It's an 8 out of 10, which I don't think is a bad score. No. Um, um, It's a great score. It's just just shy of perfect for me because of the very, very minor flaws that the film has. I I couldn't agree more, mate. And I I completely echo your sentiments. I've already rated it online. Um, I gave it an 8 out of 10 as well. Um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a wonderful film. But yeah, just again, the same as you said as well, that there's just a couple of moments where it's just sort of like, does this need to be here? Does that character need to be here? Do we need to spend this? Ma- it's an hour and 44 long, and that's that's too long, man. It's, it's half an hour it, too long. It, it, it really is. It could be, it could be trimmed easily, uh, and you wouldn't miss anything from the plot. Charles Coburn and Gene Arthur are perfect perfection in this uh, mm-hmm. apart from the last 10 minutes i had to mute the last 10 minutes for most I, of it because I, yeah, she was she was minute. driving me up the wall with that crying Ugh. Mm. 
but I don't, um, think, it's, I don't think it's thick's the landing. I don't, I, 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 no. I just think at the end, I think at the end, you just go, oh, I, I, really, I've come an hour and 44 minutes for this, just for, the, for that ending. Do, what I compared it to, not compared it, but judged it against, mm. if that's a fair way of putting it, is, you know, the ending of Rear Window, right? Mm. And Lisa's Lisa has been through that whole entire nightmare, and then you switch, and she's reading the the book on travel. But then she switches to the magazine, and you see yeah. Jimmy Stewart with his legs knackered, and that mm-hmm. that, that legs, <laughs> it, yeah, I, I I I said plural, I said legs, and um, and but that is how you stick a landing, right? Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. the the more the merrier could have done exactly not exactly that but that kind of framing device they could have nailed that and they just didn't it, it ended with a whimper instead of a bang is what i'm trying to say um so that was a little bit of a a, a problem for me i do think john McRae was was miscast i there was it just wasn't there his his intensity and twinkle when needed wasn't there but the bits that w- that he were great i mean the bits that he does with charles coburn that you know when they're on the when they're reading dick tracy together and they're having fun and their zingers are flying back and forth that was fantastic um loved it loved it but he was just slightly miscast for me but yeah i give it an eight this is what a delightful film and it's um, delightful. yeah our our reviews are making this sound like it's something we're disappointed in. No, not at, all. The, the, not at all. The problem is, because it's such a perfect film, apart mm-hmm. from its flaws, yep. it's kind of like, oh, God, you were so close. Yep. It's just, it, you can't help but go, God damn it. If only yep. you'd done this, if only you'd not cast him, if only the sec- if only you hadn't had the 20 minutes in that didn't need to be, and if only the ending had been a bit more uplifting. And it sounds like we're, we're ragging on the film at all. And no. it's not at all. It's because it's such, it's one of those films you, you go into and you go, oh my God, this might be my favourite film of all time. And you spend the first 45 minutes just absolutely fizzing loving your it. seat. Going, loving oh it. my God, this is... <laughs> This is oh my god! This is brilliant. Yeah, and then it just takes the cap off, and you it just does. spend the whole film deflating and deflating and deflating. <laughs> and at the end, and at the end, you just go, oh, "That's a nice little touch," but it wasn't enough to rescue. Yeah, it from we, being I, I, I think I think we need to hammer that home, mate, as well. It's a weird ending. It really is a weird ending. It's, it's weird, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, because I mean, I, I'm not using hyperbole. It literally ends on a whimper, literally. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, which which is a damn shame. But um, hey ho, there you go. But it, it's still a fantastic movie, and exactly. uh, we, we've yeah. both given it an eight out of ten. Because which I think is it's. Yeah. You come away from it and you think, wow, what a great film. I just really wish that certain things had been different. Absolutely, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. So yeah. It was yeah, great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. So that was more the merrier. Um, before we leave, uh, we should uh, say that for episode seventeen, mm-hmm. oh my word, my friend, it's guest time again. Who? <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be joined by our beautiful friend, our mutual friend, who is beautiful, um, uh, Zachary, Zachary Eastman. From uh, the Yesterhear Ballyhoo Review podcast. I, I love him. I know. We both love him. 
Um, he's a verbose man who we are going to rein in and put a gag over his mouth if needs be. <laughs> but for wow. the rest of the time, <laughs> for the rest of the time, he'll be allowed to speak. <laughs> he's a man who loves to explain how he feels, and that's yep. admirable. It is very admirable, and we are delighted. That we've both been on one of his shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you went on to what did you go on to talk about? Was it Hitchcock? Yeah, the Shamley silhouette. Mm. Long time ago. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Zach Eastman. Me and too. If you are a classic movie nut, then mm-hmm. you will probably already know who he is. But if not, yep. then join us next time and you will love Zach. He is the yep. loveliest, loveliest man. And he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember him telling me that um, my appearance on his show, Talking About Freaks, is the highest downloaded episode of his show. So, you know. Nice. Yeah. Look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we need to tell them what we're talking about next, though. So I'm afraid, Adam. Well, this is, yeah, here we go. So I'm afraid, my friend, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Oh, I'm picking. Uh, Yes, you're picking for us. Ooh. Yeah, we're back to you. We're back to you. Um, So we, we haven't really done one a little bit since we did. What did we do? We didn't do cat people. What did we do? We did, uh, Panther thing in your bob. What was that? The Val Luton. What did, what did we do? What are you talking about? Which which Val Luton did we review ages ago? We did the Leopard Man, didn't we? That was it. Not Panther, Leopard Man. That was it. So <laughs> so so we haven't really done a horror since then, have we? We've done the um, Devil Doll. Uh, that was before that. Um, okay. So Leopard Man was February 2021. So it's a year ago since we've done a proper horror. Oh, well, so my friend, I... I the horror. Well, exactly. I'm Mr. Horror. That sounds wrong. I could get arrested for that. But um, yeah, I think it's about time that we, we we do some horror. Sorry to put you on the spot, my friend. That's okay. But let's, let's, let's do some horror with Zachary, shall we? Well, that's a good shout. Oh, seeing as how, uh, I didn't mean to I'm not name dropping or anything, but um, because I am working on a movie at the moment all about Val Luton. Clang. <laughs> I can, I can. I, <laughs> no, but um, one uh, a name that is very much in my mind, and that I am currently re obsessed with at the moment is Mr. Boris Karloff. Oh, um. So how about we talk about the man himself, Boris okay. Karloff? Okay. Oh, but how about we talk about the man, Boris Karloff? Okay. Now, Mr. Boris Karloff didn't just make films for Universal. He made them for a variety of studios. And he played... I'm sure I've heard that somewhere before. (laughs) He played the man in many classic horrors. So how about not just one... (laughs) How about we don't just do one film this time? How about we do a triple bill? Okay. Seeing as how we've got Zach, Uh who who does love to talk about... (laughs) Classic movie. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> How about we take Boris Karloff, the uh-huh. man uh-huh. of classic horror movies, and we do the man trilogy? So we could have oh. Boris Karloff in The Man Who Changed His Mind, 1936. Oh. Boris Karloff in The Man They Could Not Hang from 1939. Oh and yeah. Boris Karloff in The Man with Nine Lives from 1940. <laughs> All thematically similar or Boris Karloff as a crazy old oh, man my um, word 
Yeah, so it'll be a Boris Karloff fest next time. Explosion. My word. Horror, horror fest. Boris Karloff does, the man. Does that mean the Boris impression will be getting in there? Ring? I very much doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be able to help yourself, you tat. <laughs> I must be allowed to do my Boris Karloff impression. <laughs> Suki? Wait, how did you get in here? <laughs> All right, Vincent Price. Uh, hey, don't knock my Vincent Price. He's awesome. Oh, but that, that's fantastic. What a choice. Oh, yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, I, I, I don't believe I've seen any of them, so I'm, uh, I'm hardly no looking knows. forward to that. It'll be Boris Karloff in three films that um, show him off as a mad scientist who mm. I must be allowed to finish my experiment. See, see listeners, he's off already. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a Boris Fest next time. Boris Fest. Oh, there we go. Oh, look at that. Perfect. Episode episode 17 is Boris Fest. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's going to go down well for Zach. I'm sure he's going to love that. He'll love it. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Well, there we go. Well, thank you very much for joining us on All the Best Lines. That was the more the merrier. And then join us for Boris Fest. It's going to be a <laughs> festival of, well, Boris, I suppose. So Boris yeah. Fest 22. There you go. Mark your calendars, people. Yes. Well, thank you very much. And Adam, it has been a joy, as always. Happy New Year, Smokey. It's been Happy a pleasure as always with you. Happy New Year, brother. Love you too. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you very, very soon. So, mm. my friend, all the best. Lions. <laughs> oh, thank you, Boris. <laughs> oh, that was good fun. You're like John Sleet. <laughs> <laughs> Your timing tonight is on fleek. It's always <laughs> well, I, do is I wait till you take a drink and then I just say it. And every time, you look like you're going to nut your own glass. <laughs> <laughs>